Welcome to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. You can find us in Germantown Hills, Illinois, right off of Route 116, or on the web at greatoakscc.org. We come together to worship and learn every Sunday at 9 and 1045 a.m. Come, take your next step towards God together with us. Habakkuk, it's a strange name for an Old Testament prophet that we probably don't know a lot of. Matter of fact, as I shared last week and we began this series, Habakkuk's only three chapters. Last week we covered chapter one, this week chapter two, next week chapter three. But as we look at it, it's a progressive story of how God works in our lives to build our faith. And as I was studying this a while back and looking in preparation for this, I was amazed about how relevant this passage of Scripture is for us today. So often we think the Old Testament is something that, you know, was great, is historical, whatever. But it has so much relevance to us, especially uh, this passage for today as we are going to be talking about it. Habakkuk was one of the 12, one of the 12 minor prophets, we call them, in the Old Testament. It uh, means he wasn't one of the, you know, the long ones. There's a bunch of prophets that have longer books than the Bible in the Old Testament, like Jeremiah, Isaiah, people like that. But there was these 12 guys that were very minor prophets, very short uh, uh, books in the Bible, but they're important as well. We probably know less about Habakkuk than any other person in the Old Testament as far as the minor prophets, uh, very, very little about him. We know that the book was written probably around 600 BC uh, in a time where there was a lot of turmoil in the world. Judah, the place that uh, Habakkuk lived in Jerusalem, he was, he was a prophet and a contemporary of a guy named Jeremiah. And uh, he was a, it was an interesting guy because of all the minor prophets that we see, he was the only one that basically complained against God. All the rest of them, a prophet was somebody who told what God was doing in the world. And uh, Habakkuk, though, was a person who lived in a time where God's people, the, Jew, uh, the Israelites, were, were turning against God. Uh, they, were, they had walked away from God. They were doing so many things that was wrong. And then not only that, the outside influences in the world that, at that time were a group called the Babylonians. And the Babylonians were a group that, that it was interesting because they were a powerful, a very powerful group of people at that time. Uh, and they were also very evil. And, and as we saw in chapter 1 last week, in this whole process of looking at uh, um, this, this book of Habakkuk, we realized that, uh, that, there's the, that more than anything, that uh, God's answer to Habakkuk's complaints was not exactly what he wanted to hear. And so we begin to talk about what this means for us in our life as we go through the Christian life. This morning I'm going to use uh, this little thing on the screen again here. Um, and, and as we look at it, uh, we called this, there's, uh, there's a guy named Seth Godin who wrote a book called The Dip. It's, not, it's a business book, but we use this little illustration because it works well in the Christian life as well. One of the things that we see so often in the Christian life is that when we start the Christian life, uh, we start somewhere, let's say, down here. And, uh, and in this place down here, and let's say we come to a place in our life of realizing we need God. And in doing so, at that place, uh, we, we ask God to come into our lives. We ask for forgiveness of our sins. We ask uh, uh, that we accept His Son, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior. And we become to that point of uh, accepting Christ. That becomes the, the beginning point of our Christian walk. And then during uh, a period of time, what happens... Um, 
during that period of time is we, we also began the process of, uh, of growing, hopefully. Well, that didn't work too well. Let's try this again. Okay, there we go. There we go. Look at There it goes. And uh, we grow in the Christian life. And as we grow in the Christian life, we, we, what we think excited. You know, I don't know if you guys, how, many, how long you've been a Christian uh, or if you've even there yet because we have people in the church that, that show up here at Great Oaks that are seeking uh, what it means to be a Christian. But in a, the Christian life, when most people, I love to be around new believers. Do you? I mean, new believers are always excited. You know, they've accepted Christ. Everything's kind of pretty good in their life, you know, and, and they're all excited about Christ. It's kind of like they're going in this direction. And they come to a place kind of up here. Uh, I just kind of call it a, a mountaintop experience right here, somewhere right, right in there. And uh, they come to that place. And they want All of us want to stay there, right? Don't you believe that's where the Christian life should be lived? I mean, exactly right there where everything's going well. You know, you, it, it's just everything. All your prayers are answered. Uh, everything. Is that where we live the Christian life most of the time? For those who have been Christians longer than three days, um, <clears throat> realize that God does not promise us that everything is going to be perfect. He says, I will be with you through all the ups and downs of life. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. But it doesn't mean that your life is going to be lived in Disneyland or Disney World or wherever it is you think is a really cool place. And so the reality of life is, as we go through this up and down process and, and, uh, we come to a place sometimes after we've been a Christian for a while, we've gone through this process, we've gone over the mountaintops and things are not working well in our life. And we come to a place that, uh, that, uh, one, uh, one writer calls it, uh, we calls it a crisis of, of, uh, crisis of belief. And it's usually after we come past the mountaintop right here, we come to that place right there. And it's gone, we're going over, we're starting to have questions in our life. And we wonder, what in the world's going on here? What's going on? And this is kind of where Habakkuk was. Now, Habakkuk was a strong believer. He was a person who, who, was, who had been a, a, a priest. Uh, he had been a, probably a temple musician. We don't know exactly everything about him. But we know he'd been a committed believer in God. And he came to a place where he saw some things happening in his life. And he said, God, it's not fair. I want an answer to this. And I want you to do something about it. And he came to a crisis of belief. And we talked about this last week is that what do you do when you go through a crisis of belief? How do you respond? Uh, how, do you, how do you deal with that? And that's what we talked about in Habakkuk 1 uh, last week. And, and, and when we have a crisis of belief, we can uh, respond to it in a couple of ways. Some people, some people, what they do is they respond to a crisis of belief by denying God or denying reality. They just kind of go back to that place where they was the high point And they say, like, in the Christian life, it's just not, these bad things just aren't happening. I mean, I have people, you know, I said they're cheerleader Christians. Uh, and I, I said it before, I love cheerleaders. If you've been a cheerleader, God bless you. I don't know how you do it, you know, but, uh, you go out and, you know, it's rain, sun, shine in, in Illinois, snow, uh, cold wind. And you sit there and you smile the whole time, no matter what's happening, you're smiling. And some of us want to be there in, in our life. And we think that's what we're supposed to do. We just deny reality, but that's one way of dealing with this crisis of belief. Another way some people do is they just get mad at God. They just get mad at God. God, you didn't live up to what I expected you to do. Or expected you, we're expected you to be. And so we deal with it that way. We just deny reality. We get mad at God. But the question we're going to talk about today, the question that Habakkuk chapter 2 deals with, is what do you do when you're kind of in this space right here? This, uh, we call it the dip. Okay? The dip. The dip where you've, you've gone over, you've had a mountaintop experience, you've been close to God, questions have come. Where do you deal in the dip? Because we all have dips in our lives. I mean, this is just one little blip in our Christian life. It's more of a... EKG, right? 
That's kind of what it's like more than anything else. So what do you do with when you're in the dip? Now, one of the things that we understood last week, it's interesting that Habakkuk, his name is an interesting name because remember what his name meant? It meant to embrace or to wrestle. That's what it meant, to embrace or wrestle. And one of the things that we realize that it's all right to do, and this is what we talked about last week, it's all right to ask questions of God. It's all right to say, God, I don't understand, I don't like it. Because God wants us to grow in our faith. Because if you knew all the answers, guess what? You would need no faith if you had all the answers. But God wants us to grow us in character and trusting him. And so in doing so, when we're in the dip, one of the things he wants us to do as we go through this crisis of belief is he wants us to wrestle or to embrace him. And in doing so, we come to this place in the dip. And the question we're going to talk about today, the big question is this. The question is, what do you do when you're in the dip? What do you, how do you wrestle with God? How do you deal with that? How does God want you to, to, to live in that place? Because we live in that place constantly in our lives. And we're going back to the PowerPoint now. You can go ahead and take off my, my computer now. So uh, go past there. And uh, what we want to talk about this morning is what do you do when you're in the dip? Now, in Habakkuk chapter 2, the, the probably the one verse, if anybody knew any verse in Habakkuk chapter, in, in the book of Habakkuk, you probably knew, know chapter 2, verse 4. Okay? Because it's a famous verse. It's probably the only famous verse. Well, verse 20 is kind of famous too of chapter 2. But verse 4 is probably the most famous. Because it says this. It says, see Babylon is puffed up. And then the last part of this verse is his desires are not upright. Then it says, but the righteous, or some of your translations will say the just, will live by his faith. The just will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. You've heard that phrase before? It's repeated in the New Testament as well. And the thing it's talking about here is this contrasting and comparing uh, the two types of things. Go back one, just go back one slide. Let's go back to that verse again. It says, see, Babylon is puffed up. Now, it's talking about how they deal with life. How did Babylon, they were powerful and they were, they were people that were crooked, they were perverse. But God was letting them, using them in a real sense to bring judgment upon uh, the Israelites. And in doing so, in, in doing so, uh, that was that was the whole deal that uh, Habakkuk had a problem with. I mean, how can somebody more corrupt than us be used by you, God? Aren't you a holy God? Aren't you a just God? Don't you do everything right? And that was the real question. And so he compares. He says, "See Babylon. That's how they approach life. They're all puffed up. They do it in their own power. They live life in the ups and downs of life, in the high points and the low points, in their own power." They do it according, they have all the answers. You know, how do you, how do you approach life? When you're in a low point, do you live by faith or do you live by sight? Do you live uh, trusting God and helping God to grow you through that? Or do you, in, in the high point, just get frustrated because all you do is question? It's all right to question, but what we want to do is get past the questioning and learn that it's all right to question, but then get on with living by faith. Because he says the righteous, those who are made right by God, the just, those who've been justified by God will live by faith. That's how we're supposed to live. And so in a real sense, uh, that's what, that's what we're doing when we're in the dip. When we're in the dip, the thing is, is that the dip is the place where probably more than any place else we learn this process of living by faith. 
And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, in Habakkuk, uh, chapter, um, chapter 2, verses one, uh, 1 through 3, he gives us three things that we're going to talk about real quickly that help us to know what does it mean to live by faith. What do we do when you're in the dip? What do you do when you're going through this time where you have questions in God, uh, about God, questions about what God's doing in your life? What do you do? And so we want to read this, and we're going to go back and... Um, and uh, talk about it a little bit, verses uh, 1 through 3. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn with me. Uh, this translation is the NIV, New International Version. Uh, you may have multiple translations. It's going to say basically the same thing. I've read Habakkuk this last couple of weeks, and I think 15 translations. And it still says pretty much the same thing, uh, regardless of the wording that's used there. Uh, but this is what it says in Habakkuk chapter, one, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. I will stand at my watch... And station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me. And what I, what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Now, what does that mean? What does that say? Well, three things it says this morning that when you're in the dip, when you're going through this time of questioning, how do you deal with it? And how does God use that to grow our faith so that we can live? That if you could be the just, the righteous shall live by faith. First, it says this in verse one. It says, it says that we need to stop. We need to stop and listen. We need to listen. We need to listen. Okay. Now, that's not all easy for us because when we're angry at God, what do we usually do? Or when you're angry at anybody, what do you usually do? Talk, thank you. Some, you know, I, I was just amazing to meet somebody actually responded to me this morning. Talk, you know, I mean, you guys can talk in service, not too much, but uh, you can respond. Uh, but the thing is, so often when, when you're angry, do you just shut up? Some of you may. I mean, maybe you're just one person. Uh, if you're around me, the angrier I get, the quieter I get. So if, if you're ever around me and, and you think I'm, you know, angry and I'm yelling, script, nah, it's, it's not, I'm not angry. I'm just, you know, letting off steam. But if I'm really quiet, you know, but most people I've found, usually when you're questioning things, you talk, you talk, you talk, you just try to get all the answers out. You just talk. Well, the first thing he says here, he says, he says in verse, uh, ch- uh, chapter two, verse one, he says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me, what he will say to me. Now, I don't know about you guys, but do you believe that God speaks to us? I believe he does. Now, in, the, in scripture, he sometimes spoke audibly to people. I've heard people say that. Before. I've never heard God speak audibly, okay? Never have. But it doesn't mean that he doesn't speak because in our day and age, I believe, number one, he speaks through this, his word. He speaks through his word to us. And so when you're in a period of questioning, one of the things it should do is you need to listen and how you do it is an active listening by actually going into his word and, and delving into his word and saying, God, what, is you want, what do you want to say to me through your word? That's why we did the series just before this about getting into God's word. Because if we don't get into God's word, if we simply just question God, question God, question, but never listen for God's answers or, and really believe that God's going to answer us, guess what? You probably won't hear. You ever get frustrated with people who never listen? Your kids? Your spouse? You know, I mean, you know, yeah, you do. 
But the issue is, number one here, is that it needs to be an active listening where we're listening to God. God speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through prayer. In the midst of praying, God will, will sometimes, you know, reveal things to you. It doesn't audibly speak to me in that either, but through his word along with prayer, God begins to work. And also, oftentimes, God will, will, oftentimes will speak to me through other believers. Now, the way to check and what, make sure that what they're saying is right is to check back to his word. But the thing that God will do is God does speak to us. And the problem so often is we, the reason we don't hear God speak is because we don't listen. And so the first thing we need to understand that, that Habakkuk is saying here, he said, you know, the first thing I'm doing, even though I have all these questions, even though all this is just so, I'm just so wound up, God. You know, he was like in a quarter law. I, I object. That's what, that's what uh, uh, Habakkuk was saying to God. But he said, I object, God, but I'm going to listen because I want to know your answer. <clears throat> now, the question, the thing that we have to understand is this, though. If you're listening and you're really listening, you may not like what God says. Because God is not always going to answer the way that you want it to be answered. Let's just be honest. Who knows more, you or God? God. If you don't know the answer to that one, you need to go back to first grade or kindergarten. You know, you know, God knows more than we do. He, he sees the big picture. He knows he created all things. He, see, he sees the end, the beginning. He knows all the stuff that's in between. The thing is, is that God knows all these things. And, and when we listen, we need to understand that we might not like what he says. An example of that in the New Testament is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul prayed at least three times we know of that God would remove something. We don't know what it was. That was called the thorn in his flesh. It was some kind of thing, you know, that was causing him problems. And he kept praying to God, God, remove this, remove this. Finally, God said to him, I'm not going to remove it. Because I want it to stay there so that you can understand that my grace is greater than anything that you can go through. That, you, that I'm a greater God than even that. So he left it there. And sometimes when we listen, God will respond. If we're truly listening and want the real answer from God, God will respond in a way that we may not like. But the thing is, if we really want God's response, if we really want to grow in faith, we really want to go grow and become more like Christ, then the thing we need to do first is we need to listen. We need to stop and listen. Now, the second thing it says in verse 2, it says this. Uh, it says we need to write. After we listen and we hear something from God and God reveals something to us, uh, we need to write it down. It says in verse 2, it says, Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. What is he talking about here? Why would you write something down? How many of you remember everything you hear? No one raised their hand this morning. Have you ever, you know, uh, guys, have you ever gone to the grocery store, your wife told you to go and she gave you three things to get? And you didn't write it down and you get there and you're going like, thank goodness for cell phones. You know, I mean, I, I found, I remember one time my wife asked me to go get two things and I, and I got distracted. I got, you know, some of you guys, I saw you at Jubilee, you started talking to me. And by the time I'm going like, what was it I was supposed to get? If I don't write it down, I don't remember very well. And that's the thing. Sometimes if we want to remember something, that's even things that are highly important. We talked about, I've talked about this before. That's one of the reasons I journal. 
I journal because what it is is as I read God's word and he reveals things and he speaks to me through his word, what he does is I can't always remember everything, but as I write it down, I can go back and pull out. I pulled back journals that I've, that I've uh, journaled years and years ago and looked at what God, the things that God has spoke to me through scripture and through other people then and come to realize it was years before some of those things were answered, but they've been answered. And I would have not remembered that if I had not have written it down. And so the second thing he asks us to do is he says is to, uh, is, to, is to write it down. Not only to listen actively, but to write it down because we want to remember what God has to say. Now, in, in Habakkuk uh, chapter 2, uh, remember, the, remember the complaint that Habakkuk had? Why he was complaining to God? He was complaining because the people of Israel had turned away from God. They had all this stuff in their life that was going on. And so God gives what he's called, what is called in Habakkuk chapter 2. We don't have time to really go through this in depth, depth. But it's uh, what he calls five woes. He said, okay, here's the complaints. And here's what I'm going to do about them. Now write it down. And these are really quick five, five things. He says, he says uh, God says, this is what I'm going to deal with. He says, woe to him who piles up stolen goods. Basically talking about the people have become thieves. They, they were stealing. Uh, woe to him who builds his realm by unjust gain. He was talking about people who were deceiving one another, who were just deceivers. Uh, woe to him who builds a city with bloodshed. He was talking about the violence that was in that society at that time. He said, I'm going to deal with it, God says. Uh, woe to him who gives drink to his neighbors. He's talking about people who, whose whole lives were focused on just partying. You know, they were just totally out of bounds. They were, they had no uh, regard for God. And then lastly, in verse 19, it says, Woe to him who says to wood, come to life. He was talking about people who, who idolize other things than God, who place things before God, who, idol, who are idolaters, is what it's called. And God says, and, and in his complaint, he answers the complaint that Habakkuk says, he says, I want you to write down these things. These are the things that I'm going to deal with. Now write them down. And so Habakkuk writes them down. And in doing so, it's good because uh, if you don't do it, he wouldn't remember those things down the road. So if you're in the dip, if you're going through a time of questioning, first of all, you listen, and secondly, you write it down. The third thing it says here, though, is this. It says, it says we're to Wait. Awkward, isn't it? I mean, we don't like people to be quiet. We don't want to wait. That was only 15 seconds. You know, I thought about a minute, and I thought, man, you would totally freak out if I didn't say anything for a whole minute. You're thinking he loses voice or, you know, whatever. No, no, the thing is, is that it says to wait. It says in Habakkuk 2, uh, chapter 2, verse 3, for the revelation, what God's going to do, awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. I want to share with you something that I believe with all my heart. I think that scripture teaches us clearly. If God promises us something, you can bank on it. If God promises us something, you can bank on it. But you've got to also remember that God's delays are not God's denials. God's delays are not God's denials. We live in an instant, we want everything now, society, and it's gotten worse and worse and worse. 
We have no patience anymore. We have no ability to slow down and just wait on things. And one of the things and one of the reasons that God, and I really believe this is one of the great things that God's going to do in our day and age, he's going to try to get us to slow down. And in slowing down, we can slow down and listen to God and write down what God's doing. But we also in the process, once we do that, we need to learn to wait on God's timing. You know, there's all kind of examples in Scripture of this. For instance, in the Old Testament, there's a guy named Moses. Remember him? And, and God said to Moses, he said, I want to, you to be a great leader and lead the people of Egypt, uh, people of Israel out of Egypt. And uh, in doing so, uh, lead them into the promised land. Well, guess how long it took for that to happen? <clears throat> 40 years. How many of you like to wait 40 years for something? Another guy in the Old Testament, his name was Joseph. Remember him? Joseph, uh, God said when he was a child, he said, you are going to be a great leader. Well, there's a whole bunch of stuff that happened between when God said that and when Joseph actually became a great leader because, like, his brothers threw him in a, in a pit. He was sold into slavery. He was in jail. All kinds of things happened for years. Finally, God's promise happens. In the New Testament, Paul says this. He says, I am compelled. I am called to preach the good news. You know how long it was before he actually got to open the Bible and say, turn to chapter so-and-so. No, we didn't. I don't think we really did that. But, you know, how long? It was 13 years. 13 years before that happened. The waiting period is God's, it's, it's God's way of, of helping us to learn to trust in him through the, that period of time. I can tell you story after, I can tell you all kinds of stories. I remember back in Virginia, I've told this a long time ago, but back in Virginia at the church I was at there, I remember one lady in our church, a sweet lady, her name was Greta. And Greta, would, what she would do is she was just, a, she was a prayer warrior. Man, you talking about somebody who prayed. When need something prayed for, I'd call Greta. Hey, pray, Greta, pray for this. I know she'd pray for it every day, all day, until whatever happened. But Greta, one of her greatest prayer concerns in her life with her son was her son, Chet. When he was like 17, 18 years old, he'd grown up in the church, been at church, but he got turned off for some reason. He took off on his own way. And for, for the next 20 plus years, she prayed every day that Chet would come back to having a relationship with God. And not only having a relationship, but have a stronger relationship, a re- renewed relationship. But let me tell you. It was 20 plus years before that prayer was answered. But she never gave up praying. And through that, she didn't. She questioned God. She said, God, I, I know what, you're, what you want to happen, but it took a while. See, when we're waiting, it's not just, you know, we think of waiting sometimes as just sitting there doing nothing. It's actually an act of waiting. What does a waiter do in a restaurant? If a waiter, what does a waiter do? Serves other people, Right? You know, if you had a waiter who just sit there, would you be excited about that? No, God says when we're waiting, what we do is we're actively still, we're still actively involved in serving God and serving other people. We don't just quit. We wait for God's answer through this active waiting period. And that word, uh, that uh, word up there, it says in the verse, it says an appointed time is, is the Hebrew word moed. And it means an appointment or a fixed time. God has a time. God knows the perfect time for something to happen. And Habakkuk waited a long time to see these promises, these woes fulfilled. Matter of fact, some of the people in 
in that day and age that lived in that place in Judah there didn't even see him in that generation. It was another generation before that was fulfilled. We need to understand that God wants to help us through this process as we listen, as we write it down, and as we wait. I love that what it says uh, in the, in the uh, Living Bible in regard to verse 3. It says this, These things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair. For these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. While you're in the dip, while you're living in the area of questioning, you're, you, you listen for God, you write down God's promises, and you wait. But what do you do? What do you hold on to if you don't get the answer for a long time? Verse 20. Verse 20, classic verse, it says this, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Those three words, but the Lord, is what we hold on to. God is still in control. God is, is still there. God is faithful. God's Delays are not God's denials. And throughout history, God has grown people in their faith, in the dip, as they listened to him, as they wrote down what he said so they could remember what he said, and as they waited actively for him. See, some words to remember is, but the Lord, but also the words we started off with, the just will live by faith. That's what you do when you're in the dip. You hang on to God and you allow him to grow you up and to help you to be more trusting in him. And I can say, folks, I know it's not easy. And this morning, I just want to do something as we close. We're going to sing a closing song. Our band can come on out now and, and get ready for our closing song. Uh, but as they do that this morning, I just want to say to you this. Um, this waiting is the hardest thing I think there is in the Christian life. Because it's not something we want to do. We want our answers right now. But God wants us to trust him in the waiting time. And I really believe God uses this to grow us more than any other time in our Christian life. But I know it's tough. So this morning, as we close, uh, I ask, I think there's a few prayer team members here this morning that uh, will be around the perimeter, and I'm going to be up here at the front. If you'd like somebody just to pray with you about, about some area of your life where you need, you've been waiting, and you just want the strength to keep waiting and trusting and growing, uh, that's what we want to do. We want to pray with you about that this morning. And, and I, I encourage you to, to, to allow other people to pray with you and encourage you through that, because... Christianity is not a lone ranger sport. It's not something you do on your own. You need other people to encourage you on a regular basis. That's why I have an accountability partner. That's why I'm in a small group, actually two small groups. That's why I do those things. Because it gives me a place where I can share my struggles with others and ask them to lift me up and encourage me during that waiting time. So God wants us to learn to do that.
Where are you right this morning? Are you on a mountaintop? I hope you are. I hope a bunch of you are up at the mountaintop on the top of the roller coaster. Uh, you know, you hadn't gotten the dip yet. But I know there's a bunch of you here this morning that are somewhere in that downward slide. You're going through a questioning time. You're going through a time of waiting on God. Maybe you're going past that and you're starting to go. You're starting to see the light and you're starting to go in the other direction. And, and you know, it's, it's amazing when we hear testimonies of how God is faithful in that. Hopefully next week we'll hear one. But I just pray this morning that God will just use us and use this time and use his word, even in the Old Testament, to teach us some things about what to do when we're in the dip. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.